0: Is Intelligent Design Biblical?
1: Welcome to Answers News for Wednesday, January 24th, 2024.
0: In today's top story, West
2: Virginia senators approved a bill allowing the discussion of intelligent design in schools. Hello, I'm Tim Dr. Tim Chafee, and joining me today is Roger Patterson. You might know him as Mr. P, and also Avery Foley. Uh, so uh, welcome to Answers News. Let's jump right into this. So This story tells us that um, the Senate Education Committee in West Virginia moved forward on an intelligent design bill. Um, Of course, it still has to go through all the other channels that it needs to, and they passed something similar last year that that then got shot down later on. But this one was tweaked a little bit, and now some of the people who were opposed to the last years are in favor. So... um, Roger what do you what do you think about this
0: um, it's an interesting idea and we've had similar things uh, there was a big case uh, years ago where this actually went through some very interesting trials uh, and was ultimately turned down in various um, state and federal courts and Uh, arkansas uh, there's one in arkansas and then uh, the dover case was the big one so it's been it's been attempted in multiple places and ultimately um, shot down but this is another state trying to bring those things to bear and as we look at the language that's being applied here uh, these legislators are really trying to take god the god of the bible out of the picture here by uh, bringing this to a very neutral plane. And when you think about an intelligent designer, most Christians are gonna think, well, they're talking about God. Uh, But that's one of the concerns that we have as a ministry when we start thinking about intelligent design is uh, as it's very explicitly stated here, uh, one of the students who addressed the senators and is dealing with these things Hodge reminded them that ID is, quote, agnostic, meaning it only proposes some kind of consciousness behind the design of the universe. Uh, And he goes on to talk about it could mean anything from the God of the Bible to the flying spaghetti monster, which the atheists have proposed as uh, the Pastafarians, as they're known. (laughs) proposing this uh, being who started everything, which really isn't a being. They just put that up as a nonsense idea. So intelligent design is the idea that there's some intelligence behind the universe, but it doesn't say who that intelligence is. So these Mm -hmm. legislators are saying, well, let's throw out that idea that it's not just random chance that started all these things in this evolutionary process, but we'll teach the evolution in the classroom and say that it could have been an intelligence behind it and not leave that idea out. So they're trying to be inclusive, but that's really not what's happening, is it?
1: not really. They they go on to talk about how all logical reasons and explanations should be allowed. But then, of course, who determines what is logical or uh, you know a reasonable explanation? Because they go on to talk about how one of the the um, senators was concerned about the phrase scientific theories being in the bill. And he's like, well, maybe that's too restrictive. It, can, it could exclude the discussion of creation. And then the, one of the students that's has been involved with putting this bill forward, he's like, well, we want that to be in there because we're not talking about religion here. We, we, The goal is to permit the discussion of intelligent design, not religion at this point, is what the, the student said. Forgetting, of course, that um, evolution is part of the religion of naturalism and atheism and all that. Um, but again, they're not really allowing for... They claim they want this academic freedom, not really allowing for all different views. Just, no, maybe we can say that there was an intelligent designer, but that intelligent designer could be an alien. That intelligent designer could be anything, not necessarily the biblical God. So intelligent design certainly does not go far enough because it says, yeah, maybe there's something that helped or guided, or that doesn't get you to the creator God of the Bible who is a personal God. He's not just some you know, deity out there that's way separated from his creation, that maybe just helped a little bit. That's not the God of the Bible. So this doesn't really get you there, which is why we've always, we understand it, like we use God's creation, obviously, to point people toward the creator. Romans 1 is is, um, very explicit that God's creation points people towards him, but we don't stop there. We go to no. this is what the Word of God says, and we use the history God has given us as a lens to look at the world, which is very different than what intelligent design does. Yeah,
2: so we certainly agree there is intelligent design. God is the yeah. ultimate <laughs> intelligent designer. He, he knows everything, so he is the ultimate intelligence. Uh, so we agree with that. We agree with many of the intelligent design arguments, if you will, not the strategy, because we think if you stop short of telling them who the designer is, we haven't done our job, because we need to introduce people to the designer, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. and uh, So it stops short of the goal. It's it's great if you have somebody who looks at the world through an atheistic view, if suddenly they say, you know what, I think these guys are right, there is a creator, but he doesn't know who that creator is and we never tell him. He's still got the same future ahead of him eternally. And And two
0: other big problems there are some of the fine-tuning arguments that get used that actually promote ideas like the Big Bang Mm -hmm. because the Mm -hmm. Big Bang contradicts the biblical account of how things happened in the creation week and how God created everything. So you can't have the Big Bang and the Genesis account of creation. Those two contradict each other. And many unassuming Christians will use the fine-tuning arguments that are put forward by these intelligent design propositions and they'll say, Oh, look at all these fine tuning arguments, and they'll really be promoting the Big Bang. Particularly when it comes <laughs> to like the right. solar right. system. Don't and, and, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. They don't know that they're promoting the Big Bang. Uh, I run into that all the time with people. Second, a lot of these things that are the theories of the origins of life aren't theories at all, even in the scientific sense. So these legislators talking about this don't really know what they're talking about from a scientific sense because we can't have a theory of the origin of life because a theory has to be something that's testable and and has been proved over time and is a reliable way that can be demonstrated to be true in all different circumstances. There are no theories of the origin of life in the scientific sense. There are some ideas or some hypotheses about Mm -hmm. the origin of life in the evolutionary sense, but... All of the ideas about the origin of life, whether it's aliens did it or it evolved through these different the RNA hypothesis or the, the soup model or the bubble model, the, all these different models that they have in the evolutionary view, or whether God created, as we read about it in Genesis 1, those are all faith based views. And we acknowledge that, we take yep. that by faith, but we look at that as a an, uh, an axiomatic position. It's, we, it's our starting point, mm-hmm. but the naturalists, the atheists have to do the same thing. The evolutionists have to do the same thing. It's their starting point. They have to assume naturalism is true to make all those things mm-hmm. happen. So all of those views are faith-based systems, like Avery was pointing to earlier. They're all faith-based systems, and... They're rejecting our faith based system in the public schools. But that doesn't mean we want them to be teaching the biblical view right. in, in the public yeah. schools because. They wouldn't do a very good job of that. Right. I was going to ask Avery, what is, has that been our position? Because we're accused of
2: that. Oh Yeah, we're, we're all
1: accused of... all the time. That's what we're trying to do. We've never, ever tried to do that. Think about you teaching evolution in public schools when you were a public school science teacher. If you'd been told to also present biblical creation, would you have done a fair job of it? I, probably I, not. I didn't.
0: I, I wouldn't have wanted to. Huh? Right. I, I, and, and you thought might evolution it. was the right way to, to think about things. And you probably said, well, how come I'm not required to teach the
2: Hindu view of yeah. creation and why not and, this and view And we creation? hear that view all the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've actually um, written about those topics in uh, some of our Answers book series. Uh, you can find the question about intelligent design in Answers book two, and then the question about the public schools in Answers book three. So we've got great resources to mm. deal with those things as But we well. do
2: believe that if, you're gonna, if evolution is going to be required to be taught, it should be taught warts and all. The yeah, there are a lot well. of problems
1: with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, all right, well, Roger used the word axiomatic, that wins as far as the coolest (laughs) word. so we're gonna move on to our next article, see who wins this one. Um, All right, so, there is a paradigm shift, evolution is not as random as we thought. Now this was a fairly confusing article because the headline tells us it's not as random, but at the same time, later on, it's like, well, we can't say that it's guided, but we don't wanna say that it's random, and it's- um, There's no goal, (laughs) there's no purpose. It's not directed. It's not
0: directed. But it's not random, but it's not.
2: So what is it? And, and it, it reminded me of, it was Richard Dawkins who talked, somebody was asking about design, and he said, well, of course it looks designed. That's what we would expect if evolution were true. And it's like,
0: I, I don't know if that's word for word, but, <laughs> it's like, but it, it,
2: again, um, why are they, Roger, why are they doing this?
0: It's, it's a very interesting um, attempt to try to get around things that Look as you as you look at into the world. Avery mentioned Romans one. The invisible attributes of God are seen clearly in all that we look at out there in, in creation. We look at the world and it looks designed, but it can't be because evolution, their natural system mm-hmm. for how things came to be, has to be a random process that started all these things in the beginning okay there can't be a purpose or a goal and it can go forward it can go backward there's no there's no higher organisms or lower organisms they just are and so as we start to talk through these things um, they want to avoid that type of language but then they examine systems like this and they took this bacterial Mm -hmm. genome and they um, analyzed 2500 different organisms the whole genome of these 2500 different bacteria within the same Uh, genus. And then they looked at them and saw these patterns developing where these genes uh, control regions were linked to each other. And they saw these very clear patterns within this pan genome of this bacteria and said, wow, that looks like these things are not happening randomly as Mm -hmm. they're interacting in the environment. And of course, because the information that's coded for there in the DNA can't just happen by chance. So the origination yeah. of that DNA wasn't random. And if they believe it was random in the first place, then everything that comes from it has to be in some sense random. It can't just happen with purpose. If what began it was random. So right. they wind up in this this circle, and this confusing mess, where they want to say parts of the system wind up not being random, but the beginning was random and the end isn't, is random. But, so they, they just get confused in the middle. I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> Avery, clarify.
1: <laughs> it's interesting, as you're reading through this, like the whole, the headline is, you know, evolution is not as random. They keep talking about evolution. But what you see in the actual science, when you look at the actual science that they did studying the genome, there's no evolution. They didn't observe new genes popping into existence. Um, they looked at genes that already exist, grouped the genes into gene families, compared those different gene families, saw how they interacted with other gene families as if this whole thing was complex and intricately designed. And then they were like, oh, the genome isn't random. It's a complex ecosystem just in the genome of this bacteria. So they're not observing any evolution. There's no change. The bacteria remain bacteria. The genome isn't, isn't you know, getting new functional information out of nowhere. It's just observational science. They're just observing the genome and then calling it evolution and trying to apply that to evolution when it really has nothing to do with, with the organism changing in anything else. It's a bacteria that's of bacteria and is just more complex than we thought it was. And it has exciting applications. They talk about some of those applications. And interestingly, when they talk about the scientific applications, it's all observational science. It's all like a medicine and things where creationists and evolutions are both going to agree because that's observational science is directly testable, observable, repeatable in the lab, not talking about the past or history
0: or one kind of organism changing into a yep. different kind. Yeah, yeah. So. So you're it, saying the simple organism is
2: incredibly complex. Incredibly. It sounds like it's been intelligently designed. <laughs> it really does. Can we does. tell the people who the intelligent designer is? <laughs> we can. I think we can. All right, yeah, <laughs> the God
1: of the Bible. <laughs> that's right. And Avery
2: was talking about some of the the things they were talking about that they could use this for and we were in the green room we were talking about this a little bit. One of the things they talk about is manipulating genetic material and that can sound really scary and it, it can be if depending on how you use that. Technology but it can also be used for Ill. a <laughs> for a wonderful thing. We know somebody whose uh, child was born with, with skid. You know, they had no immune system back in the day back in the seventies and eighties it might have been like a bubble boy situation. Well now they have a new technology. They're able to harvest some of his own stem cells send them off to be manipulated a little bit, send them back, implant his own cells so you don't have any rejection or anything, and suddenly starts developing immunity in an immune system. What an amazing Some, yeah. use of technology and mm-hmm. observational science, not an evolutionary view of uh, historical or origin, better to say origin science, not really historical because it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, well, another fun one in the realm of evolution. Um, so we got a whole bunch of articles that Roger just loves today. A <laughs> wild hypothesis suggests insect wings arose from gills. I bet you didn't know that, so <laughs> you're gonna learn something today. So this has to do with like dragonfly and damselflies and others. And um, so again, Roger, I'm gonna go to you. We're gonna, Avery, you're gonna get Avery, you're gonna
0: get one coming up here soon. The next
2: one. Well All right. Done. So go to
0: the next slide there. Yeah. Uh, so this is the image of the fossil that they're looking at, and this is a, a group of scientists out of the Czech Republic. So they found these cool fossils and their suggestion is, this is a a totally new hypothesis, that these small structures that they are seeing here uh, near whether the gills in this uh, small insect larva. Now, a lot of insect larvae grow in the water; they're aquatic, and then they emerge out of the water, and then they'll take off. So, things like dragonflies and damselflies and mayflies—they live in the water, and then they'll emerge. We do fun activity here; um, we call it unlocking science on the spot. We do it out on the patio, and. Uh, kids and families come up, and we look at these things underneath the microscope and show the life cycle, of the dragonflies and damselflies. And you can see the gills on these things. They're underwater, they gotta breathe. So they've mm-hmm. got gills. So these gills you can uh, that are pointed out here in these fossilized creatures, the idea is the gills were actually formed up on the thorax of this uh, creature, and they turned into the wings up on the thorax. So something like the gill structure evolved into the wings upon the thorax. And this is admittedly uh, by these scientists, although our fossils certainly do not represent the ancestor of winged insects, they are larvae, and the adults of this group already had fully functional wings. So if they're not the ancestor, they're up here in the evolutionary tree, and dragonflies and damselflies are up here, then that means that with, go to the next slide for me, Tim, dragonflies and damselflies and mayflies their gills actually are on the base of their abdomen. So I tell the kids when they come up, God made crazy creatures that breathe through their bums. <laughs> okay, That's where their gills are, those sure, three feather. All the feathery... little
1: boys think that's hilarious. Yes, they love of course,
0: it. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> and all it. the
1: moms are like, did you really just tell my kid yes, that? Yes, mm. I did. Okay.
0: <laughs> those three little feathery structures sticking out the back end, that's the gills, okay? Those are the gills, and that's how they breathe. So if it evolved from the gills in one line on the evolutionary tree, and it evolved from the gills in this other, it, it couldn't have done both, okay, or the wings would grow out of the abdomen on one and the other. <laughs> so they have to propose that the wings evolved in two different ways in these two different lineages, and it just complicates how wings evolved in insects. Which
1: they already don't know. <laughs> which they already don't know
0: how. So now they've got to explain how wings evolved at least twice, and I think in, as I was researching Evolution Exposed books, I think they already say wings evolved like six different times, mm-hmm. but now we've got to do it twice in just this group of very similar aquatic insects. So it's just yeah. complicating their own <laughs> problem. So I think they're throwing a wrench into their own gearbox here. <laughs> nice. I think so too. Um, they're,
2: so as Roger's talking about, evolved six different ways, like the wings or the... Uh, but that's just, just for the insect, just right, insects, because butterflies true. are entirely just different insects. than these. And then you have, then you also have reptiles. So you got like the pteranodon, flying reptiles. Yeah, they have to evolve differently. You've got mammals like bats. They have to evolve birds, differently. Birds, yeah. and there's all sorts of different flight mechanisms for birds. <laughs> well, wait like a
0: this. minute, no, because they believe birds are reptiles. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the hummingbird does not fly like the velociraptor supposedly did. <laughs> Very different creatures. So,
1: what's interesting uh, too, too, when I was looking at this, was just thinking about the fact that. We have these fossils preserved. These little teeny tiny insect larvae are preserved as these amazing fossils that they can actually look at and see gills on them. And that just reminds us of the, the global flood and how quickly that things were happening so catastrophic that these little tiny insects could be preserved for us to look at. They're not. 300 million years old, like they say here. They were buried during the flood just a few thousand years ago. But really neat to just be reminded of the catastrophic nature of the flood in these cool insect fossils. And,
2: and what she's getting at is that if, you, if you're not familiar with a lot of times we're taught that fossils form, you know, creature dies and sits there on the ground and then it's, slowly buried it decays. but we know when that happens it decays it rots (laughs) and bird other things will eat it then suddenly it's gone there's no fossil there but this because it's buried rapidly you can get Mm -hmm. that you get fossilization it does not take a long time it takes the right conditions all right avery we're coming to you on this one so um are you surprised by this 49 of 50 states saw increased gender dysphoria diagnoses between 2018 and 2022
1: I am not surprised Why at all, because if, you pay, if anyone's who paid any attention to what's happened in the world in the last four, five, six years, uh, you would know that this has been pushed insanely heavily through not just the public education system, but through social media with um, like the the hashtag trans, for example, I think was back in 2021, was viewed like 6 billion times on TikTok. Like... People are, con- young people in particular, are consuming transgender um, stories and all, all that kind of content on social media at an alarming rate, and then, of course, it's being pushed into school. It's sort of the new cool thing to and do, it's boring to be. Yep. yeah. So it's no surprise that we're seeing in 49 of 50 states, the only state where it did not rise is South Dakota, where they have actually made those um, surgeries, the general mutilation surgeries and all those drugs and everything illegal. It not risen there Um, for minors yes Um, but in other states it's every single other state it's been rising and that's no surprise given how popular it is and how much it's being pushed um, everywhere and sadly in young people in particular we see these rises um, as people are searching for an identity searching for a purpose searching for something they can grab onto because they don't have God. They don't have His word. They don't have an identity grounded in who they are, made in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully by Him, made as a male, made as a female, with a purpose. Instead, they've just been taught, "Well, you're just the result of random chance." Well, maybe not so random. <laughs> processes over millions and millions of years. You're just an animal. There is no ultimate purpose. There is no. There is no God who is who, who's given you a purpose and has a plan for your life. Any of that. And they're just searching, and this is the new thing that's trying to fill that void, but ultimately it just leads to hopelessness and
0: purposelessness. Yeah. And the hope that we can truly point all of these people to yeah. is that they do have value, they do have mm-hmm. worth, and it's not in changing the outside to match what the inside feels like, because that's just distorting reality to match what the brokenness of sin has caused our feelings mm-hmm. to um to align with anyway so that's making brokenness match with brokenness we need to come to realize what the true reality is and we think back to what what adam did in the garden that brought sin into the world and has corrupted all of creation that's that's not just broken the world around us it's broken the world inside of us and we need to point them to that reality and the gospel message is that sin has come into the world and in the first Adam and that the the last Adam Jesus Christ has come to restore that and all of these we look at the states and it it detailed how this this set of states had a, a range of hundreds of percent increase in this state this hundreds of That's not the most important thing. We can focus on those things and think through policies and conditions, but it's really us as individuals, members of the church, and and reaching out with the hope of the gospel, pointing Mm -hmm. them to the fact that our true identity is as image bearers of God and having a restored relationship with our creator through what Christ has done with us that the work of the holy spirit in christians restoring us into that christ-like image is where we're going to find the right way to relate to god the right way Mm -hmm. to relate to other image bearers and that's where that true restored identity is going to be found yeah i like that roger
2: said that it's not um, transforming the outside no it's really what you're talking about the transforming of the inside that's what really needs to be done um, mm-hmm. So we're one of the things we're doing here is we're working on an exhibit for the Creation Museum on yeah. identity and what that means and who we really are to address these issues in our culture and help people understand that when we do go right back to Genesis, we find out the reality of who human beings are. We're people made in God's image, and uh, he made us as male and female, and he didn't make a mistake when he did that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's prevalent from social media, influencers, music, movies. Yeah. And last year, sorry, Avery, but last year's highest grossing film, one that I know you kind of have some warm spots <laughs> of feelings well, about, Barbie no, movie. No, no, don't go the that far. Barbie movie uh, <laughs> had, in, includes a, a actor of the times, Barbie. I a That's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> she loved it. No, I'm just kidding. we no. <laughs> She saw some of the problems too.
1: I helped them review it for the tilt shift so yes, on. That's uh, why I'm teasing her.
2: All right, um, but <laughs> yeah, we're to gonna... the
1: bus. All the comments are going to be so negative. <laughs> Thanks, Tim.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, she loved it. No, she's <laughs> 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 all right. Well, let's yeah. let's move on to talk about a very cool little creature here. This is a peculiar, so pink, fairy armadillo, and they have a weird <laughs> double skin that's not seen in any any other mammal. Um, and so this is something from down in Argentina, down in Southern South America. And- um, Just a
1: tiny little, like six, six inches long, I think? Uh, yeah, something like just that. little-
2: Well, it's, Argentina used the metric.
1: 15 centimeters.
2: <laughs> you're from Canada. There you go. She <laughs> can do it. All right. Um, so, Roger, why is this so strange that it would have two, I mean, you got to really be glad that evolution gave it two sets of scales. Yeah, that's like that's one of the things. <laughs> as you're reading
0: through the article here, it, it describes this very interesting situation. So, it's got the uh, dermal scales across the back. Uh, think about an armadillo that they uh, typically think they roll up in the ball and protect themselves. And Uh, So these dermal scales that are embedded in the skin and this one has this unique situation where near the rear there's this casing and then there's a a fold there where there is a second layer of skin hiding underneath uh, that layer. So it's not seen in any other mammal that we know of. Uh, So just a unique finding. You'd think we've been studying animals now and trying to understand. <laughs> we think we'd stop finding new stuff, but there's always new stuff to explore. Uh, stuff yeah. that God has provided for these animals, uh, ways that they've adapted to their environments and uh, done things. And as the evolutionary little nugget gets thrown in here, it's because <laughs> they uh, couldn't not. They, could, they had to put it in do there. This. The evolution <laughs> towards a completely subterranean lifestyle in the fairy armadillo's ancestral images. Limited or estimated to take place between 32 and 17 million years ago. Well, they got it narrowed right down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they've, they've got to throw in those ideas because that's their worldview uh, that this, this article is being presented from. And the adaptations, the abilities that God has programmed into the DNA, that information piece uh, in every living thing is just amazing. And the ability yeah. to provide this, um, the sandy soils are in and things. There's maybe some abrasion resistance. Some, something's happening there. And um, I just think it's it's awesome. So kids out there who are listening, um, I encourage kids in, in my Unlocking Science program, these are things we can keep exploring. We're going to keep understanding more and more and more about God's amazing creation because... He has an unlimited mind to think of ways for yeah. things to happen. <laughs> We're never going to figure it all out. So
2: Roger mentioned unlocking science. And one thing that we talk about throwing ideas in there, Get Answers TV, because that's <laughs> our, our streaming platform not that a we great have. Stuff on and there. you have Mr. P over here, who does. if you want to learn how damsel flies Breathe through their bums and other things <laughs> like that, and all these cool, fun things. and you got <laughs> to check out that program, <laughs> and so uh, great for families. And Avery's got a program for families as well called Shoes Off, and mine is a, it's still family, Tilt Shift, it's called, but it's um, still for families, but a little, maybe a little not bit. Not geared toward older. three to eight year old like my show. <laughs> not so much three to eight. Um, an, analyzing the worldviews thrown uh, that are pushed in Hollywood films, so. All right, Avery, anything to add other than this thing's cute? Uh, It's it's very cute, (laughs)
1: cute. and I thought it was interesting also that the armadillo has these flexible hairs that actually help it, they think, to move through the underground tunnels, which again, is just a really cool design feature that God enabled them. Living underground where obviously it's dark, uh, your eyes aren't going to help you a whole lot getting around, they have Flexible hairs that help them move through the tunnels. I'm very thankful the Lord did not give us that. That would be so aggravating. Um to have your hairs yes, like, you didn't like give sensing much hair things off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for the for the fairy pink armadillo, the pink fairy armadillo rather, it's a really good design. It's really just neat to see the amazing intricacies of God's creation everywhere we look, from really large things down to really small things and everything in between. It's just people it's amazing. people who followed
2: it, answers in Genesis for all might remember this. Um, Buddy Davis would always say it's designed to do what it does do, and what it does do, it does do well. And
0: yep. that's true. Yep, it's true. Armadillos. Creatures with amazing <laughs> abilities, yep. and and great. lots of those in in this great book. Oh, lots uh, of fun, awesome book. facts about animals. Uh, if you just like cool things that critters do, they're in here. So check that book out. Great resource for your family.
2: All right. Well, speaking of cool critters, well, <laughs> or make-believe cool make critters. Believe. <laughs> um,
1: so, if you didn't have enough reasons to visit Kentucky hey. because of the creation museum and the ark encounter, we will give you another. Mark one.
2: your calendar 80 years from now. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Lexington, for this. Hey, aliens, look at Lexington. So Visit Lex invites extraterrestrial travelers to Lexington, Kentucky with the world's first interstellar. So they... (laughs) (laughs) Beamed a signal.
0: Out into space.
2: I've seen movies where this is not a good idea. <laughs> but Lexington, 80 it was years a from good now, idea. I'm going to be gone. I don't care. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what we'll have? It'll take 40 years for the signal to get to uh, this solar system, which is the Trappist, T-R-A-P-P-I-S-T one solar system. Which it's going to take 40 years for it to get there, and then. Will Did the aliens it, come visit Lexington?
0: If there are any aliens there.
1: Maybe they'll come visit the Ark Encounter, you know?
2: Maybe. Well, I mean, <laughs> so there's always this fear that aliens, you know aliens that could come and visit if they existed, that they would be more powerful than us because they have the technology to do that, so we have to be afraid. But you can probably rest easy because we sent them the recipe for bourbon, so they might be too <laughs> drunk to come and do it. Yeah, so all guess.
0: the advertising is about horses and bourbon. Come see our horses and come drink <laughs> our bourbon. That was all that. I looked at the webpage. That's web page. what they
1: sent the aliens. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: Down at the bottom of the webpage, there's a counter about how many days it'll be in to, uh, until the years, years and years, years and days it's, a it's, yeah, it's a genius really marketing clever. play. It's really clever. I don't think we have to worry about it. But um,
2: one of the things, <laughs> the reason we joke about it, and, and I mean it is, it is kind of silly, but. Um, the, our culture is inundated with this idea of alien life, that yes. there is intelligent alien life out there. Of course, there's the joke, I haven't seen a whole lot of intelligent life <laughs> here, but, um, but why would that be an issue from a biblical perspective? So uh, the, the Bible never comes right out and says there are no aliens on other planets, but what it does tell us is that God created the earth first. The sun moon and stars and the other planets presumably are on day four so they're not the focal point of what god is doing god sent his son to become a man a descendant of adam to the Mm -hmm. earth he didn't go to mars to die for the martians he came to or trappist
1: one right or trappist (laughs) one for that
2: and he only died once for sin so it's not like he's going to go to mars and die for the martians jupiter died for the people there um it's so, so there are problems with it theologically. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense that he would have done that. Is he powerful enough? Of course. Could he have done it if he wanted to? Of course. But every indication in scripture that he gives us is that he didn't. So. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how we look at that issue. And we've got a, a great program on that in our planetarium. So while you're here at the Creation Museum, yeah. you can check out the, what the UFOs or ali- what's the name of alien? Aliens Factor Fiction. Yeah, right? there That's it is. Right. Aliens Factor Fiction.
1: Fiction. Yeah. yeah, but we encourage people to come visit Kentucky too. It's a great state. You'll love it. The Ark Encounter and Creation Museum are amazing. So yep. you can come and you can even go to Lexington and see the cool things they have there, which aren't aliens at this point.
2: <laughs> and if you're looking for a good time to come, well, come July 21st and 22nd, we've got Answers for Educators. This is our conference. I think it was just one day last year, so we're expanding it to two days. And we've also got a homeschool event uh, May 9th through the 11th. And uh, so that is uh, the theme this year, Stand uh, Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. Uh, Not like Roger and Tim Giants. (laughs) So you're not supposed to (laughs) throw stones at us or anything like
0: that. We've got a new program uh, be launching called Up in the Air. So instead of up in flames, it'll be up in the air this year. So That's cool. I'm launching a new one too,
1: Fearfully and Wonderfully Me, which is but obviously Fearfully and Wonderfully Made for little kids. So um, I'll be presenting at the Homeschool Experience, too.
2: All right. Are you going to be showing off your new Fearfully and Wonderfully Made one at that point? (laughs) My
1: my little, like, six-week-old baby. We'll see whether baby cooperates or not. (laughs) All right. Well,
2: we are out of time for today. We thank you for joining us. And until next time, God bless
1: you. See ya.